It's animation celery time. That's crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. I once heard of a mutant who could just space around him, and now it appears that I've met him. I am Micah. I'm Matsy. Not a mutant at all. Not an octopus. Hmm. <sighs> um, on Animation Celery, we give each other cartoons to watch and then come back and recap them and talk about them. And we're going to do some little shorts today. Um, I gave Micah some weirdos, uh, the unicorn in the garden and also Monroe. And he gave me some weirdos, uh, a couple of Mickey Mouse shorts from the modern era and also an old Popeye cartoon. Mm -hmm. Um, But before that, what do we got? Micah, tell us what's happening. Well, I broke my arm yesterday. What? I don't want to bury the lead. Yeah. Yeah, I was running for the bus and uh, some loosely packed uh, sand just collapsed under my feet. So. Oh, weird. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I went to the uh, emergency room and um, today I, I went went to work to tell them, ah, here's my doctor's note. I'm not coming, for, coming in for a little bit because they told me, you know, you'll need at least a week, maybe two to before you do anything. Right. Right. It's like, you know, got to break in the uh, radius and then something maybe to the uh, ulna too, because it's hmm. quite painful under there. So maybe it's like a chip or something that didn't show on the x-ray. Um, but then after I got back from work, um, I had a message. I never had this before where the uh, orthopedist's office had called me and said, you have a, me- you have a, uh, Appointment in an hour. <laughs> so I've never had that where people leave a message and tell, tell you, oh, we, we made an appointment for you. Anyway. Oh, weird. Yeah. So I went in. I actually seen this guy before. Raven had him once. And uh, uh, so at some point I'm called into this area that has, um, you know, it's one long room with like little dividers between places where you can go to each and advise, you know, the various okay. people. Uh, and he's so gung-ho, right? He's telling the person, like, uh, um, there's no no chance you can damage it more, so what you need to do is you need to work it. You need to exercise it. And, you know, the, the woman will say, like, oh, but it's, you know, I, I, when I, if I want to do this, hurt. yeah, well, it'll hurt, but you got to gotta, you gotta extend that range of, range of motion, right? So hmm. he gets to me, it's the same thing. Like, the, the hospital doctor had said, you know, don't lift anything for at least a week. And he said, no, 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 you got to the, – the first thing uh, that's – the worst thing for you is that sling you're wearing. So take that off, right? So, and he kind of waffled on like, well, if it comforts you, you can wear it once in a while during this week. But you shouldn't. You should work it out and get your range of motion, right? <laughs> um, um. Yeah. So I, I double check like, oh, so should I just – should uh, you know, I've, I've said what I do for a living that I have to lift things occasionally and drive a vehicle and so on. And, and I asked, should I go back to work? He said, yes. <laughs> so what? <laughs> Strange, huh? Like sounds sounds like a bit of a quack. Yeah. Like what? I think <laughs> I think one of his oh, patients broke my arm. I just work it off. Yeah. Rub some dirt into it. Um, <laughs> I think it was probably like. Some woman that you kick the cane out from under and then slap her on the head. And it's like, uh, Jehovah compels you to dance, you know, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 But, um, so like Raven was totally against it. Like, what? This is crazy, right? And, uh. Yeah. 
I mean, I've got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. I'll, I'll ask the, the clinic, you know, I think I'm right. going to approach it with a happy medium because I can appreciate uh, the idea that if I baby it, maybe I'll have less range of motion, right? And if he says that I can't hurt it more, then okay. But man, <laughs> I experimented a little bit today with just using it more than I had. And, you know, it's too painful to turn a doorknob with that arm. So, you know. Oh, boy. I think I'm not. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to work right away. <laughs> no. I've got to ease into that. But yeah, so that's that's the most exciting <laughs> thing that happened to me. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, in the realm of uh, the stuff I've been watching, um, on Netflix, there is Rilakkuma's Theme Park Adventure. You hmm. you, you remember Rilakkuma, right? I, yeah, it's the, the stop animation um, series about this lady who lives with a teddy bear and uh, I think another bear and maybe there's a bird. That's all um, correct. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they just kind of hang out. And I think in the second, I watched the second episode and they had just made friends with a kid whose parents are never around or something. Yes. Um, but so yeah. That. Okay. So theme park adventure, I thought this would just be a special, which, you know, I was overjoyed to see. Uh-huh. Um, but then I started watching it. No, it's essentially it's season two. Oh, Yes. Um, so the first season, uh, each was its own individual episode, although there is an overarching plot. Mm -hmm. Um, but this one seems to all take place under the same day. Uh, they get, uh, I think Rilakkuma is, wins some tickets to a theme park that's going to be closing soon. So, yeah, the group goes, uh, Kaoru, all the stuffed animals, um, Tokyo, the, the kid, um, and uh, uh, the delivery guy that Kaoru has a crush on. They're all going to the theme park. Um, hmm. And like I said, it's all the same day, but they get separated and they get in all kinds of trouble and meet new people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. Fantastic. I love those doofy stuffed animals. <laughs> <laughs> um, ah. See, I'm pretty thrilled to get some more some more Rilakkuma. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's always fun when a new, a series that you like suddenly gets new episodes without you expecting it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, haven't finished that yet, but uh, um, I watched a movie. Um, it's called Drifting Home. Okay. Uh, n- not to be confused with Drifting Classroom. <laughs> so, Drifting Home is an anime feature uh, it's about a group of grade school kids that all go into a derelict apartment building that's said to be haunted. Uh-huh. And an event transports that building and all the kids inside it out to the middle of an ocean where it floats. All right. And the children have to figure out how to survive and maybe also their mystery. Um, hmm. Yeah. The, the central characters are Kosuke and Natsume who used to live in that very apartment building and they've had kind of a falling out. These are like tweens, right? I guess they're about 11, 12. Um, okay. Anyway, they, they used to be as close as brother and sister. It's pretty good. I like the, uh, I mean, they have to figure out how to survive. Some of that is that there are other floating buildings. So yeah. they have to like get to those buildings and back with stuff they've scavenged. Hmm. Yeah. Um, there's some real 
uh, threat and physicality to it. Um, Raven and I watched it together, and there was there was one moment where she winced hard. Um, <laughs> I mean, you really these kids are, are struggling to their utmost. Um, right. As I watched it, and as you find out more about what's going on, um, mm-hmm. I kind of felt a conflict that. Uh, it was about how much meaning and existentialism there is to what's going on in the storyline. Because okay. it's kind of like, you know, they say about human beings that we want to attribute meaning to things, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, we, we make up gods or whatever. And I was wondering, is this kind of going to devolve to where, you know, uh, reconciling your past or feeling good about yourself or something is going to solve a problem as opposed <laughs> to... Uh, kind of a more realistic approach where there's, yeah, there's this weird sci-fi phenomenon and we have to practically solve it, hmm. you know, and, and then attribute our meaning to it. You know, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think I see what you're talking about. And it kind of vacillates between the two where I feel like, oh, cause I, because of what I want it to be. But then other times it surprised me. Like, oh, cool. Right. It wasn't, they weren't bailed out by Deus Ex Machina. They, they thought of a practical solution to this thing or whatever, right? So, hmm. um, good. It's, it's pretty good. I, I, this is the second feature-length anime directed by Hiroyasu Ishida. Um, and it has very mixed reviews. It's on Netflix. Uh, the, it has 58% on the Tomatometer on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. But the thing I thought That's... was really interesting, the first film by Ishida... Penguin Highway is 100%. Huh. Yeah, never seen it, but that's got to be uncommon, I think, yeah? Uh, it depends. I mean, sometimes it depends on the time. Well, you said it was his first movie and this is his second, so it's probably yeah. had enough time to settle. But yeah. sometimes movies will get, like, um, I understand the comedy biopic about Weird Al Yankovic last I saw had 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. Uh, and I guess, you know, if you're a fan of Weird Al Yankovic, you just love everything he does. Um, right. Ex- and maybe except- also, like, maybe it's it's uh, review bombed to the point where its percentage really is like 99.99, et cetera, percent, right? Or some people have given it negative reviews, but some people have given it 100 good reviews. As an aside, uh, as someone who does like Weird Al Yankovic, I will say that his 2002 album Poodle Hat is mm. not very good. Ah. It's got one good song, Bob, mm. but other than that, it's kind of fish in a barrel. Hmm. I kind of feel like parody song has really evolved. Like he was a pioneer, but uh, yeah, there are a lot of people today who've refined it. I mean, well, when I li- when I listen to some of his old stuff, I think you know this is pretty, pretty basic. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of. I mean, I I don't know why I'm spending more time talking about this, but that was kind of how I felt about Poodle Hat. Like a lot of the songs were like, "Oh, come on!" Like, yeah, okay, a a a parody of the what's that song, Piano Man? Okay. Um, only it's about the 2002 Spider Man movie. Huh. All right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. The the song Bob, I think, is one of his best songs ever because it's it's a I don't know how he wrote this. It's he, he's singing. Uh, it, it's not a parody of a specific song, but he's singing like Bob Dylan. Oh, OK, that's cool. He's got this kind of voice going. But 
all the lyrics are palindromes. So it's all just huh. nonsense. But, okay. But it's like, I'm man and regal, a German am I. And it's like just Bob Dylan gibberish, but mm. also it's all palindromes, including the title Bob. Right. It's, it's genius on every level. But that, that, that has nothing to do with anime. <laughs> I'm more inclined to like comedic songs that aren't just, you know, like a, a, a straight up takeoff on another song, a popular song, you know? Like sure. Yeah. More work and there's more to enrich your mind and your ear. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, also, I figured I should mention that I started Bee and Puppycat. I want to watch that. Oh, have you ever watched it? I have watched some. I, yeah. I could not tell you exactly what. I know I have watched more than just the original pilot. I know I have seen episodes past that. Right. Uh, but I can't tell you exactly how far I've gotten into the series. Yeah, I think they've kind of cobbled it all together where they've reused mm. concepts from the crowdfunded episodes oh. and put it. What is the subtitle of the series? It's like lazy and something or other to differentiate it from the first release. Ah, I, I did sort of see I got the impression just from my YouTube recommendations. I was like, is there a new being puppycat? Oh, Lazy in Space is the oh, okay. title of the series. Bee and um, Puppycat, Lazy in Space. Yeah, so for people who don't know, uh, yeah. Bee and Puppycat was created by Natasha Allegri, the storyboarder and character designer of some of the Adventure Time episodes. And she's the creator of Fiona and Cake. <laughs> um, Did she do something in Steven Universe too? I don't know. It would not surprise me. Yeah. Um. So Bee and Puppycat takes place on an island and Bee is a slacker. She's she's a woman who um, never stays at any job for very long. And one day she partners up with Puppycat, a personified cat. I mean, it stands on two legs. It talks sort of. It talks in auto-tune gibberish. Um, <laughs> why Puppycat? Well, apparently it smells like a puppy. Anyway, uh, the bell on Puppy Cat's collar allows them to transport into another dimension where a temp bot computer, the screen with a face, with a, you know, computer face, um, yeah. will change their outfits and send them to a planet to perform odd jobs. Mm. Uh, and that's how she makes her money. She the, the 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 odd jobs are crazy, right? Like they'll go to a planet that's uh, uh, got a baby's a giant baby's head emerged from it, and the <laughs> entire surface of the planet is the baby's continuous flow of tears. You know, and they've got a babysit yeah. it. It's that kind of weird yeah, yeah. stuff. And then when they yeah. come back through the portal, a whole bunch of money dumps on them. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I think there was an episode where like B had to be the cat in a cat cafe or something. Oh yeah. It's weird stuff. Also, B has a really unique voice. Like, I remember the first time I heard, like, I watched B and Puppycat and I heard her voice. I was like, oh, that's a that's not a voice that would get cast as a female character in a lot of cartoons. I like it. Well, yes. And I was going to mention that, too. It's it's uh, her name is Alan Rachel, and I guess she's a comedian. Um, mm. And I would say that her voice traditionally is an unacceptable voice <laughs> yeah, for a yeah. broadcast. Like it, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of a trend, right? Yeah. Like Charlene Yee 
who's a comedian, I think is really funny, but she's, um, mm-hmm. uh, she's Ruby in Steven universe and, 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 hmm? and, and a more starring role in we bear bears. Yeah. She's a little girl that's made friends with the bears in we bear bears. I think she's an adult actually on that show. She's just short anyway. Oh, you know what it is? I think she's an overachieving kid who is like in college. Oh, is that though it? She's like school age. Oh, huh. You can tell we haven't watched it very much. Um, I've, I've, I have watched a bit of it. Um, it just like that, that is not information that I had immediately at hand. It's like, as I was talking about it, my brain just popped up and like interrupted our conversations. Like you guys are getting it wrong. This is yeah. what she is. Well, my point is, is that we seem to be in an era where there's a wider acceptance of these voices that would have in prior times just been thought of like, well, this person can't act and they don't have yeah. a very good, they don't have a very good voice actor voice too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and I like it. Like I, yeah. I like B's voice. Like to this day, I don't know why, but I will often mm-hmm. like if, if I'm, if I'm like something sore or something, I'll sometimes go, my guts, my guts. Yeah. Or yeah. if I have to fart or something, my butts. <laughs> Just as a par- <laughs> my own parody of that first episode of being puppy cat. Well, I like her too, actually. Um, yeah. And a lot of the voices are like that. Mm-hmm. But then there's some voices that are strictly dream casting. They must be. <laughs> like, um, you know, Toast, the wrestler? I think she's in the oh. pilot. She like bursts through the walls. Uh, I don't, it doesn't immediately ring a bell. Well, anyway, there, there, there's a wrestler character and she is voiced by Terry Hawks, the first dub voice of Sailor Moon. <laughs> oh, like she doesn't do a ton of stuff. I, that's gotta be like vanity casting, <laughs> especially in light for how amateurish a lot of the people seem in it. Right. Um, yeah. and then Stephen Bloom, uh, the uh, he, he's most famous for being Spike Spiegel and Cowboy Bebop, but he's done tons of stuff, right? Digimon mm-hmm. and whatever. Anyway, he's a voice in there, too, and he's got to be fan casting, too. Hmm. Um, anyway, I quite like the show. I've complained a lot before about shows that are just aggressive nonsense shouted at you. Yeah. And I think the difference in this kind of show is it's a little slower and it's a little quieter. It's a little gentler on you as a viewer. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's plenty of fun. Well, also, I think um, uh, you ever seen Ranma before? Uh, a little bit. Like, I know the concept of it, but I can't say a whole lot about it. It's about a guy who, when he gets splashed with water, turns into a buxom babe. Right. Uh, there's a it's it's a manga maker called uh, Rumiko Takahashi who did Ranma and Inuyasha and uh, just so much stuff. And I can really see the influence. At least I imagine that I can. The faces <laughs> of characters, the, even like the clothing and the hair. Um, and even like the sense, like if you told me that Rumiko Takahashi made a comic about an adult woman who uh, transports to another dimension with her magic cat to do odd jobs on other planets, I think like, yeah, that sounds like her. So... <laughs> I definitely think there's an influence. Oh, and there's other things too. Like there's dream sequences where the characters, uh, all their skin is darkened. So they're like a black mannequin inside clothing. Right. Yeah. And that's straight up from Sailor Moon comics. So mm-hmm. 
yeah, there's there's so much homage in the show. But even if you don't get those homages, it's uh, full of the sort of whimsy I like. So I, I recommend watching Bee and Puppycat to all everybody listening. Yeah, me too, uh, including myself. Mm. Like, that's it's one of those ones that I don't have a good reason for not having watched more of because I do yeah. like it. I anticipated that we we would touch common ground on that one. Oh, we, well, I mean, yeah, we do. Like, you've yeah. seen more of it than I have, but I'm not. Like, right. I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's a it's a good show. It has. I think I mentioned in a previous episode that that pilot has one of my little pet peeves where somebody will refer to a character by a name, even though they haven't been introduced. Hmm. Uh, the first episode when they get back, uh, B says to Puppycat that thanks for not letting Tempbot burn me up. And I was like, who's Tempbot? And then, like, the yeah. second episode, they're like, hi, Tempbot. It's like, oh, the computer was Tempbot. Oh, they never actually said that. You know, I didn't realize in the show, Tempbot is actually a series of Tempbots. Oh, really? And that was driving me crazy, because like I said early on, I recognized that Toast was Terry Hawks. And then I goes, hey, Temp Tempbot is Terry Hawks. And the next episode, wait, that doesn't sound like her, because it wasn't. They, they're they different <laughs> ones, apparently. But Yeah. 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 Anyway, I guess I guess that's my list of what's been happening. So how about you? What you've been up to? Uh, mostly playing Splatoon 3 mm -hmm. and working. Um, I I'm still watching Beavis and Butthead. I'm not going to I'm not going to talk too much about it. But there was an episode that really amused me called Freaky Friday. And it's exactly what you think it is. OK. Um, where they saw the movie Freaky Friday. Yeah. And um and they were talking about it while they were shaking up soda bottles at the Maxi Mart. And so mm. some guy bought one and exploded in his face and he smashed their heads together. And so obviously they became under the impression that they had switched bodies. OK, um, so like right down to when they're calling when they're at school the next day, they're sitting in each other's seat and like Butthead is wearing the Metallica shirt and Beavis is wearing the ACDC shirt. Right. Um. And it's just really confusing. Like they like it, you just go along for the ride. Like you, there's no sense trying to keep track of who's who because they can't. Um, you know, what's weird is they don't act like themselves thinking they're in other bodies. They act like each other. Yeah. Well, they they act like themselves like Beavis still acts like Beavis, but he thinks that he's being butthead by doing oh, that. OK, um, that's why I say it gets confusing. And then they start. You know, they get mad at each other. So Beavis is like, well, I'm going to kick your ass. And he starts ramming his own head into the wall. And <laughs> Butthead breaks a broom in half and starts hitting himself between the legs over and over. It's like, OK, <laughs> um, just they they try to keep track of which is which. He's like, I'm going to write the first letter of my name on my hand. So I remember that I'm Butthead. And so he writes a B and then <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, good idea. I'm going to do that, too. It's just. That kind of insanity was really funny to me. But it's anyway, re it's really mm -hmm. weird to think in 2020 that, you know, the, these characters are evergreen promoted forward. And yet one of them is wearing an ACDC T-shirt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's just the way it has to be. I guess, I guess so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, there was also a really funny sequence where they were watching a music video called Driver's License and they were talking about getting their driver's license. And I don't know why it cracked me up so hard, but Beavis was demonstrating the face that he was going to make on his driver's license. OK, and it was just him. It wasn't like a funny face or anything. It was just this like head on 
Beavis trying to put on a serious face. And for some reason, it was so funny. I had to rewind it and watch it again. Um, God, I mean, I'm even trying to think of what he looks like head on. Like he, he doesn't show up. They don't do that angle very often. No, no. Like <laughs> maybe that's he, why it had such impact. Is there like a curved line for his protruding front lip? You Not really. I mean? No. Well, he's just his mouth. He's he just had his mouth kind of slack. Just looking at the screen. Um, okay. But anyway, I, I knew that I couldn't just fill this whole new segment with more Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> so I scrambled for something else to watch in the limited time I had before we started recording. And I ended up watching the first two episodes. And there are only three thus far right. of the new season of Rick and Morty. Oh, OK. Uh, now, where we left off in the Rick and Morty story, uh, the there's various versions of Rick and Morty, and a lot of them live in a lo central location called the Citadel. Well, the Citadel's been destroyed, and also the central hub mechanic thing of portal guns that Rick uses to move between planets and uh, realities has been shut down. So they no longer have access to infinite Ricks and Mortys and mm. instantaneous travel. So, but they're, they're still doing stuff with it. Like I've said, I've said from the first season, I said Rick and Morty was pretty funny, really smart sci-fi and mm. one annoying voice actor. Okay. And I still think that that one voice actor is annoying, although I'm starting to become a little desensitized to it. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't think it's as funny. Maybe that impact has worn off, too. It seems like okay. it's just here's an example. The second episode uh, is these a heist going on at an arcade and these aliens and and Rick just tells Summer, the uh, Morty's sister, says, just go do a diehard. It's just like, what? I haven't seen diehard. And so all the rest of it is her trying to do a diehard while the the criminals know all about diehard because diehard every civilization eventually gets a diehard and mm. so it's just diehard oh we're referencing diehard go do a diehard oh she's doing a diehard it's a diehard that's not funny it's just saying die and they've done that before where it's like oh no our planet is we've cronenberg everyone everyone's a cronenberg like that's not funny that's just saying the name of the thing you're referencing hmm but the sci-fi is still really smart. That same episode, I said it takes place in an arcade. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a previous episode that in that same arcade that introduced a video game called Roy, A Life Well Lived. And the idea is that you go into this game and you play as a guy named Roy and you just live his life. And it's like this time dilation thing where I think it's something like every second in the game is a month in huh. or every every second in real time is a month in the game. So the goal is to just be Roy and have the best life you can. And so what's happened here is that the game has glitched out while mm -hmm. Morty was playing it. And what's happened is his consciousness has been splintered into all the five billion NPCs in the game. Hmm. So Rick has gone in after him as Roy to and so Roy is like everybody is one five billionth of my 
14-year-old grandson, and I need to get you out of here into the real world so we can we can go live our normal lives. And so everyone thinks that he's just a cult nut. Hmm. And so there's this parallel story of Summer doing a diehard while okay. inside all these characters. And this is kind of my nightmare with five billion characters, all Justin Roiland, all doing Morty's voice. OK. Um, and just Roy or Rick trying to rally people to the cause of getting out of the game Uh when everyone doesn't like, it's just a, a religious, he's like, it's not a religious thing. You really are my grandson. And we really do need to g- get onto another, the real world from this one. But of course it sounds like, you know, religious nut barrery, right? Okay. Like that's the kind of thing I'm talking like, that's really smart. Yeah. It's, it's kind of sci-fi. It's kind of scratching a red dwarf kind of itch. Uh, yes. Yes. That's a good point. It's, it's not as funny. Like, it's it's amusing enough that you're not taking it too seriously the whole time. You're not like, like, oh, what's going to happen? It's like, right. oh, there, ah, ha, ha, there's some funny stuff happening. Not laugh out loud, like riotous, you know, best years of the Simpsons kind of comedy or comedy that people seem to think that Rick and Morty is, because I know people who think that it's the funniest thing that's ever happened. And it is totally not. <laughs> OK, like pickle Rick is nothing. You're yeah, I don't hate it. I just, well, I'm just probably my drive to be counterculture. Everybody's loving this thing. And I just kind of think, ah, I'll, I'll wait. A, I'll wait a bunch of years before I adopt it, I guess. It's as long as you don't go into it thinking that it's going to redefine what we think of as comedy. Think of it like Red Dwarf. Think of it as just like a basically comedy series with some really smart sci fi ideas. And you'll have a fine time. Oh, and just kind of ignore Justin Roiland. He's going to stammer. Yeah. He's going to... Oh, it, it, oh it, it, shut up. No, just say the damn lines like every other actor in the show is doing, you moron. But, yeah, Rick and Morty's okay. I'm going to draw that on. back. Well, I was going to draw that back to a couple things I talked about. Yes. Um, you talked about, like, the weird arcade games. There's arcade yes. games, right? The, the video games were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of a thing, right? Like in Bee and Puppycat, they go to an arcade that's full of weird, stupid arcade games, right? That wouldn't, would never have existed. And yeah, yeah. St- Steven Universe did it too. It's sort of like a modern thing. Well, kind of. Yeah. Like Steven, like the the video game that immediately comes to my mind in Steven Universe is the, the Samba de Amigo with meat. Right. Exactly. Which I don't know, you know why that would. Hmm? Go ahead. It's it's ironic that that's a modern cartoon trend, considering arcades more or less don't exist. Yeah, but. yeah. And I was going to say, I wonder how uh, Garnet found that game so engaging when she can see the future. Like, hmm. she well, maybe it's just a, you know, I know what the symbols are going to be. It's just a matter of the dexterity of doing it on time. Sure. Anyway. Or yeah. maybe she sees multiple futures. I mean, the, the other link back oh, I was going to do is you talking about do a diehard. Yeah. That in um, Drifting Home, one of the kids is totally a little kid, I think. One of his quirks is that he just names things like brand right. names and they're real oh. world brand names, which is just when it happens and you're watching like a regular movie, it kind of shakes you a little bit where the beginning he says like, let's go play Smash Brothers. And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You can't yeah, say yeah. Smash Brothers or like, I really want McDonald's, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, so there we go. Uh, being Puppycat is pretty cool, and Rick and Morty, you have to temper some expectations, but you can have a good time watching it. Mm. Let's see what else we can have a good time watching. Um, I don't know. Things that are well, worth watching are kind of rare unicorns, aren't they? Well, nicely done. <laughs> We're talking about The Unicorn in the Garden. This is directed by William T. Hertz in 1953. Um, so our cartoon literally begins with the caption, Once Upon a Sunny Morning. So a mild man makes himself some breakfast in his home. And we're introduced to his cranky wife by her, her voice calling, What's going on down there? To which the henpecked man answers, Nothing, dear. <laughs> While an animation cycle has him grinding quite a lot of pepper onto his eggs, a <laughs> unicorn <laughs> eats roses off the bush in the garden. We and the man see it through his window. Uh, he walks outside for a close-up look at the doofy magical beast. And he even taps the point of its horn. Excitably, he runs back inside and upstairs to alert his wife, who is still in bed. She discounts his claim, stating that the unicorn is a mythical beast. He disappointedly leaves the bedroom and his wife. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of... I'm wondering well, he doesn't, to say it it doesn't exactly leave his wife. He yet. leaves the room in which she's sleeping yeah, or yeah, resting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a thing that they're, they're d depicting her still in bed. I, I, I don't know, is that... I, I, I guess it establishes that she's disagreeable and no fun. I guess. Anyway, uh, outside again, he observes the so-called myth, and he hand-feeds it a lily. Uh, again, he hustles to his wife to inform her that he fed the unicorn, but she just comments that he's a booby. And he's, she's going to put him in the booby hatch, or insane asylum in the parlance of the time. Yeah. Uh, after he's gone, she giddily calls the police to get her husband hauled away to an insane asylum. She's so happy! Yeah. Like, wow. this is my chance. Ha ha ha. We don't know the whole story. Huh. Maybe, maybe they live off of her pension or something, or inheritance. And she's mm. like, this guy's a freeloader. Maybe, mm. maybe she's not the bad guy. She's just had enough. Enough of this waste of space. Anyway, uh, without that context, let's move on. That By the time the police and psychiatrist arrive, the unicorn has conveniently gone. And I noticed that the psychiatrist is Dr. I. Ego. And <laughs> yeah. one wonders if his first name is Id. Yeah. Um, anyway, unfortunately for the wife, the doctor and police take her as the crazy one. Her husband comes in to find her gagged and in a restraint jacket. He denies having told her that he saw a unicorn. Of course not. A unicorn is a mythical beast. <laughs> and the one sarcastically played bar of the wedding march plays, and she's hauled away, and her story has its happy ending. It's a, a dark cartoon. <laughs> wow, this is... This is, do you remember how a little while ago I said that I really enjoyed the relationship between Dexter and Dee Dee in Dee Dee's laboratory? Okay, yes, I do. This is like the opposite. This is like the most unhealthy relationship between two related people I think I've ever seen in a cartoon. Yeah, there's not a lot to go on, but they give you it, I guess. Yeah. 
She is so evil. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm trying to contextualize. Like, no, no, he's just a bad guy and she's had enough. Maybe I just see too much of myself in her. Um, (laughs) (laughs) First chance you get, Raven. You're out of here. Start seeing mythical beasts. Oh, that reminds me too. Uh, mention of the booby hatch made me think of Paul Newman saying it in Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> the booby hatch. Um, <laughs> it's a good so this movie. Car- yeah, great movie. Uh, this cartoon is an adaptation of a short story by New Yorker cartoonist <laughs> and humorist James Thurber mm. from his book Fables for Our Time, which is uh, mentioned in the opening credits. Um, yeah. the, the expression anyway, Fables of our, for Our Time. Yeah. And when I say short story... I mean, short, uh, the, I, I had a little read of it and yeah, it doesn't even fit a computer screen. Um, <laughs> basically, I guess in the cartoon, they wanted the husband's flip to seem more reasonable and that he goes to her twice to say that there really is a unicorn. Whereas uh. in the short story, he only does it once and she's like, ah, oh, he gets to go to the booby hatch. <laughs> uh, but otherwise it's the same. Mm hmm. Yeah, the artwork, too. Like, it really, when you say oh. it's from the New Yorker, it's like, oh, yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instinctually, people would recognize it as New Yorker cartoon. But also, as a UPA cartoon, United Productions of America. Yeah. Um. So this has become one of your niches, recommending these cartoons that include Gerald McBoing Boing mm. and uh, Mr. Magoo. And yeah. often they're just... I was surprised when I looked it up that this studio is praised for its unique style. <laughs> and if you're a cynic, you might call it economical <laughs> in that, you know, it's uh, often, often very simplistically colored. Mm-hmm. Um, the backgrounds are, uh, they, let's just say they don't worry about a vanishing point. They just draw some lines <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. for everything. Um, but it definitely is distinct and, you know. Uh, you having recommended some, uh, I recognize it when I see it. Yeah. I, know, I like minimalism. I like the concept of minimalism. Sure. And, and just not taking things seriously. Like, I remember one shot in this where when he's, like, making the eggs. Like, yeah. there's one thing where he's, like, pouring in milk or something. And his arm just goes way too long. I was like, about to say. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, there's you know, a lot who of cares? That. It just look, it, it, it's not anatomically correct, but it looks neat. No, it's it sort of like a um, a lighter, less frantic version of Tex Avery, sort of. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I said this was short. Even as a cartoon, it seems really short. Like me summarizing it just now? Whoa, yeah. it was short. What was the runtime on this? It must have been actually short, I think. Yeah, it's pretty short, yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. okay. You, uh, you outdid me for shorts, though. Oh, for sure. Yes, short shorts. Yeah, we ready to move on? Sure. Short shorts, no shirts, yes. Yeah. Hey, let's try to go through this episode real fast. Let's see how fast we can do it. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Okay, so, uh, you gave me two of the modern Mickey Mouse cartoons. um, By which I mean about ten years old. Yes. Um, yeah, these Mickey Mouse cartoons, they started making new ones. Uh, in the 2010s. Uh, this one's from 2013. It's called No Service. And, um, yeah. So it's on a boardwalk, and the idea is that Mickey and Donald are walking along. They are going to meet their ladies, you would assume Minnie and Daisy, 
uh, at a lamppost. But they figure, hey, let's get some food from that shack over there and uh, surprise them with a picnic. So they go in and this is one of those cartoons where, you know, the established characters might not be the characters they normally are. They're like playing a role. Yeah. Mickey and Donald know each other as Mickey and Donald. But the fry cook is goofy and he Mm. doesn't seem to know them. And he gives them the no shirt, no shoes, no service thing. Hey, Mm -hmm. guess what? Mickey's uh, classic design with the red shorts with the yellow buttons. There's no shirt there. Yeah. And Donald, his classic design with the sailor hat and sailor shirt. uh, He's not wearing anything from the waist down. It's their classic paradox. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Well, they figure, what if we, after a little struggle of give me your pants, no, give me your shirt. (laughs) They come up with a compromise. They, there's a rigged drawing straws, which is to say feathers from Donald's butt. Uh, and Donald gets to wear all the clothes and go in and place his order. Well, Mickey is outside naked. And I actually really like, I think to give a little spoiler on my final analysis of this, I think this is a little bit on the ugly side animated. Oh, yes. Okay. But it's like the kind of pictures that would work in a still image. Like, oh, that's a unique look at the Mickey Mouse that somebody drew. But as animated as a cartoon and computer animated a little bit, eh, <laughs> okay. sub my little pony levels of flash asset manipulation. Right. It's a little ugly, but I really like the way that Mickey looks naked. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and take that out of context. Um, he he looks like a Mr. Game and Watch from Smash Brothers. He's you know, just, it's funny you say that. Yeah. I had an uh, elementary school friend who had all kinds of toys from Japan all the time. Yeah. And he had tons of game and watches, including quite a few Mickey Mouse themed ones. <laughs> and Neat. as you might imagine, he plays very well as black on, you know, uh, slate gray, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look like. yeah. Yeah. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So he's outside naked. Um, and he's, you know, he's trying to avoid being seen while Donald is inside waiting for his order to be made and just kind of laughing at him. And then the ladies show up and uh, that's a big problem. So there's a runaround of Mickey trying to hide from him. I especially liked one where he's like, there's a metal fence that's like, right. you know, just a like wire bars. fence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's like hiding behind it with like his feet at the bottom and his ears slinking along the top. Like it's a way yeah. that makes no sense when you practically think about it. But it's a cute little cartoon image. Yeah. Um. Eventually, as this is going on, uh, Donald, it's time for him to pay for the food. And he pulls out Mickey's credit card because it's Mickey's pants. And when Goofy asks for ID, he pulls out Mickey's ID, which, of course, doesn't match his face. And so Goofy kicks him out with the food. Hmm. Um, But he kicks him out so hard that he flies out of all the clothes, which all land on Mickey. Just in time for him to meet the ladies. So he's fully clothed, even more fully clothed than usual, and with a bag of food. Meanwhile, Donald lands naked in front of Daisy, who chastises him for, I guess. Being a freak? (laughs) Well, I mean, what would he normally be hiding? Huh. Anyway, uh, both girls go off with Mickey. You know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is a funny design thing. 
Daisy gets some swanky boots. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Minnie gets those standard cartoon swollen high heels, those ovals with points on the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, funny um, enough, though, hmm? Daisy has all the requirements to get food at the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Oh, and I guess Minnie doesn't. Yeah. Yep. So, th- I mean, there's another cartoon to talk about, but I'll just say real quickly, uh, a couple of the voices, um, the usual, Bill Farmer is goofy, Tony Anselmo is Donald. Like, once you get somebody who can do those voices, don't let them go, because they're oh, yes. hard to replicate. Totally. Like, I think Anselmo did Donald from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's he's still Donald in the current, or it's not current anymore, but the recent DuckTales, I believe. Yeah. Um, and Bill Farmer, as we have discussed, was in the Goofy movies. Yep. Um, the late Rusi Taylor is Minnie Mouse. Mm-hmm. And for Daisy... They just kind of let the video game customization screen stay on its default and uh, yes. hired Tress McNeil. Frank Walker option two, Tress McNeil. Well, depends on whether you pick uh, male or female. Yes. Well, actually, I guess it, it depends whether you pick female or or animal. Animal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then Chris so, Diamantopoulos. Diamantopoulos? He's Mickey Mouse, and I don't really know him. He's in uh, Silicon Valley, but he does a good job. Yeah, you know I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing about these voices. You see, you find the ones that work, and you stick to them. Yeah, these these sound great, and I compare it to like Bugs Bunny. Always sounds terrible to me. Often, and oh no, just always. He's always bad. I mean, I mean, when other people have tried to do his voice over the past oh, yeah, decades, yeah. Um, and like Daffy Duck is sometimes passable. Porky Pig is just like eh, like mm. people. That don't inhabit the roles. They're just doing bad impressions. Yeah. So this is done right, man. These these feel comfortable. Have you have you heard the current voice of Kermit the Frog? No. Ooh. Not good, huh? Ooh. He uh, he sounds more like Skeeter than Kermit the Frog. Uh, huh. Look it up if you get the chance. It's okay. Not, uh, it's not great. Um, but we can move on. Um, what? Flipper boobutosis? What is that? Well, let's find out. Uh, it's another Mickey Mouse thing where Mickey and Donald, or no, Mickey and Goofy, rather, are barbecuing in the backyard. And then their good buddy Donald shows up. See, now they know who each other are because they're just playing who they are. But Donald's got a problem. He's got this big, throbbing, red, squishy bulge on his flipper. Um... The the friends immediately see, oh, that looks like flipper boobutosis, and that's serious. We need to get you to a doctor. But Donald's afraid of doctors, so they figure, okay, let's try some home remedies. Mickey's idea is honey, and it works until a bear shows up. Goofy, and at this point, I notice how terrible Goofy looks. Like, oh. I said... I said that this was animated kind of ugly, but, you know, if you're looking at Mickey Mouse, it's like, oh, that's a cute version of Mickey. That's a cute version of Donald. Goofy is atrocious. I think they sort of are homaging his original appearance as an old dog in the really old cartoons. And then they just dialed it up. Oh, oh, it's so bad. Um, (laughs) His idea is a foot massage. So he squeezes this throbbing boil that I just really want them to pop. Um, (laughs) 
he squishes it down hard enough that it goes on top of his own head. And that makes Mickey squish it down till it goes up on his head. Uh, and then they just push it back down onto Donald's and get ready to try something else. Ah, uh, crystals. Donald is naked again. Hmm. And, um... He's got crystals on all his uh, hands and feet and Mickey lightly taps them with a tuning fork and it seems to work until Goofy smashes the last one, the one on the throbbing thing with a mallet and, you know, destroys Donald. I think I think they're at that famous shrine on that California beach. Oh, maybe, you know, that's that's used for like weddings and TV shows and stuff. Oh, that could be. Well, now this thing is worse. It's starting to turn purple. And they're like, we don't have any choice. We got to get him to the doctor. But Donald is not into that. They run out into street. Uh, Mickey and Donald get Mickey. Why do I keep Mickey and Goofy? Yeah. Get his foot. And the two of them go there. The three. This is really hard to explain. And I don't know why the three of them go in their two separate ways. I actually thought that this was a really fun sequence. It's one of those yeah. things where it's like, you know, when you watch old cartoons, you see a lot of the same gags done over and over. I'm like, who wrote this one? Because this is pretty clever. Uh, well, it's extreme for sure. Yeah. Um, Mickey and Goofy uh, take the foot and stretch out the leg, hijack an ambulance and get it to the emergency room. Whereas Donald runs the opposite direction and does the old taxi cab to the airport, to the cruise ship, gets away, gets relaxed on this uh, cruise ship, gets a nice fruity drink. But then, of course, the elasticity kicks in and he gets blasted all the way back to the hospital where he wakes up and his foot is fixed. He thanks the guys for not tolerating his silliness and, you know, doing the mm. right thing. And they say not to thank him. Thank the doctor. It's the bear. Mm -hmm. And the, it was delicious. Ha ha ha. <laughs> everybody laughs at the bear, apparently having eaten a gigantic pus filled purple boil. You know, if this, if you're talking about goofy was gross, if the style of this cartoon slightly evokes Ren and Stimpy, the throbbing sore on Donald's flipper cements it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is. I don't know. It's. Mm. I like I said, I like this. The look of this Donald and this Mickey Mouse. There's a yes. I'm on the YouTube page for Flipper Boobutosis right now, and there's a thumbnail from another one called Our Floating Dreams. And I've watched this one before. I think I watched it right oh, yeah. after Lucy Taylor died because I wanted to hear what her Minnie Mouse sounded like. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea is that Mickey and uh, Minnie are uh, noodle sellers, I believe, on boats in Thailand. OK, um, but just the thumbnail of this, like the expression on Mickey's face in that thumbnail is so good. I It's uh. hard to it's hard to explain. You'd have to go. You'd have to somehow search for it, but not in a way that the video would open, but in a way that you just see the thumbnail on the side because it's a pretty good look. Um, but Goofy is horrendous and the animation just doesn't really do it any favors. It's just cheap flash animation. Um, eh. I'm a little surprised you dislike it as much as you do. I, I, I kind of oh, like I, it. Like I, 
I don't like the animation and I don't like the character design to some extent, but the fact that they're making these cartoons and they are good, like they're fun. They're well-written. The, I like the kind of painted look of the backgrounds in a sort of way. Yeah. You can see the imaginary tooth of the paper and the grittiness of the medium on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just the character design of Goofy and the cheap animation that turned me off a little bit, but. Huh. It varies. Like, have you seen, I've watched a handful of these. I didn't, haven't watched the noodle one you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and they vary. Some I like quite a bit. Some are really funny and some are kind of, eh. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that I'm not that crazy about, but they, they do the animation. They, they really tune it up is one where <laughs> Mickey is a delivery guy who's delivering croissants to Minnie's restaurant. Okay. And it doesn't reach the grandeur of the Roger Rabbit shorts, but it's kind of in the same area mm-hmm, in terms mm-hmm. of his scooter going all over the place. Um, yeah, another thing I think was kind of funny is that that whole cartoon is in French. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of unexpected. Um, I think, the, I think the, the Thai noodle boat one is all in Thai, if I remember correctly. That's kind of cool. Uh, so this, the it's got... A style with clean, thick, and thin vectors mm-hmm. for the lines. Um, I kind of feel like in its entirety, it does some homage to the past era, but it does something new, which I appreciate. Yeah, that's true. Like, you remember the short, I think it was in front of a Pixar movie. It was a short made to look like an old-fashioned thing, except... The uh, the characters, Mickey and Pete and everybody, jump out of the silver screen and and become 3D characters on a stage. Ooh, you know what sure. I'm talking about? And I don't know that I do, to be honest with you. I mean, well, I haven't seen a lot of Pixar movies in theaters. Oh, OK. Well, it's kind of like. Uh, it's an homage, but it, it's just a pale copy, you know, mm-hmm. like it doesn't have a hilarious uh, Horace horse collar cloppity clopping along or, you know, yeah, I'd rather just watch an old cartoon. Whereas I'm glad this is not the same, you know, it kind of captures the, the beauty of this trio, but it's doing its own thing with its own humor and, uh, visual style, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And, mm. and the visual style is, you know, like I said, the animation, eh, but the visual style, like it's got some, like, I'm, I'm just looking at more of these thumbnails. Like there's one called the yes. fancy, the fancy gentleman and all the facial expressions on, I don't know if that's Mickey or not, or if it's a rival. <laughs> it's like this, yeah. this mouse with a frown and slicked back ears and a little mustache. And Minnie has this big toothy, like in the middle of talking grin on her face. It looks so good. Um, this might be the I, best Mickey Mouse, too, I think. I mean, yes. going off of the really old Mickeys, which I've watched more of since doing this podcast, and they vary quite a lot, you know? You know what? Um, you might have a point there. This might actually be because Mickey's kind of like nothing. Yeah. Um, This might actually be something where make that character works. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting thought. You might be onto hmm. something there. Um, what else are we on to something? Uh, or what else are we on to? Uh, on to which things are we? Yeah. Um, um, did you hear that the Russians are conscripting now? Uh, yeah. And it's apparently an old tale because I'm going to talk about a cartoon about a cartoon called Monroe mm. directed by Gene Deitch. If you <laughs> like UPA, Matsy, 
The other thing you like is Rembrandt Films and director Gene Deitch. I don't know that I like I think it, ever since I learned the, the the tangible reason why those Tom and Jerry's are so weird, I've become yeah. fascinated by it. And because of this yeah. podcast, now I'm watching. I, I guess it's just I was like, OK, he made some Tom and Jerry's. And then I heard about The Hobbit and I was like, wait, the Tom and Jerry guy did The Hobbit? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, YouTube started saying, well, apparently you really like Gene Deitch. So here's his Oscar winner. <laughs> you know, he died in 2020. Yes, uh, yeah. that I think is why this short may have popped up uh, in my YouTube, mm. because there was a lot of people saying, uh, oh, he deserved it. Rip or he deserved the Academy Award not to die. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, but like, yeah, like praising his uh Praising him upon his death. But uh, yeah. Anyway, hmm. Yeah. So Gene Deitch, director of the weird Tom and Jerry cartoons, made this cartoon, Monroe, uh, in 1960. So uh, to the undecipherable shouts of a drill sergeant, we get the title <laughs> card of Jules Pfeiffer's Monroe. The titular character Monroe is four years old and he willfully won't wash his face. He won't eat supper or go to bed. Incredibly, this tot is drafted into the military. He shows up for his physical, and in the locker room, he has one of the gossipy recruits unbutton his jacket for him, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, the kid is passed through the laughable tests to get into the military. Uh, distracted by the drafting of a famous baseball player, the testers pay no attention to the fact that Monroe is a little boy. Now uniformed, the boy goes to training under that gibberish growling sergeant. <laughs> the group is didactically debriefed by a decorated officer. Then they get their shots. Actually, the doctors accidentally inject each other since they don't expect such a short soldier. <laughs> uh, Monroe actually does well enough at the various games of military service, including the about-facing the uh, keeping a tidy bunk and taking names and so on. Uh, it's, but it's tiring work for a recent graduate of toddlerhood. So he goes to the sergeant to alert that I'm only four. He's dismissed as only thinking that he's four and he's sent on sick call. And I might be totally off. I looked this up. I think in this case, four in the army means that you're an officer. Oh, so it's hmm. like it's like he's saying I'm a captain. And the guy's saying, you're crazy. Go see this. Uh, go see the doctor. I think there's I a think... part. Well, I think maybe keep going, because I remember another explanation for this. And maybe you're not there yet. Go ahead. OK, so when the doctor interrogates the boy, he's ignored, just given some pills and instructions to stop faking it. Hmm. Monroe goes to the psychiatrist, the chaplain and the colonel, but none take him seriously, despite how obvious it should be. That he is indeed a four-year-old. Yeah, this is the part. Like, at some point, he says he's only four, and someone says that the U.S. military doesn't draft four-year-olds, therefore you can't be four-year-old. Maybe it was like, a joke in that instance, and then they yeah. don't perpetuate. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, that, but that's an old classic joke. It's like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I shouldn't be here. I'm not this. I was like, well, we don't do that, and we never make mistakes, yes, you, so you must be wrong. Huh, the heart of this cartoon. Yeah. Um, so this gets to Monroe 
and he decides that maybe he actually is a soldier, so he vows to do his best. Uh, and just then, Monroe is used as an example of a fine soldier in front of the new recruits. But unable to take any more of this madness, Monroe breaks down into tears. Everybody tries to get him to stop. Uh, but the general gives up on him, and the general teases that Monroe is a little crying boy. Then it dawns on everyone that he might actually be four. He gets released from military service. When he returns home, a great parade is thrown in honor of the supposedly remarkable lad who served his country. Now he's a hero, and his parents are so proud. Uh, that doesn't stop his mother from leveraging the threat of army life to make <laughs> him more obedient so that he washes his face, eats his supper, and goes to bed. <laughs> As you mentioned, this won the Oscar for Best Animated Short Film. It also, you, you had a theme here. Yeah. Just as The Unicorn in the Garden was adapted from a short story, Monroe is taken from Jules Pfeiffer's book, Pas uh, Passionella and Other Stories. <laughs> um, yeah, so overall, this is a critique of uh, authority and how it never listens. <laughs> um, and I guess specifically the army. Yeah, I mean, this would have been around Vietnam times, right? Mm. Yeah, I guess 6061. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, we Canadians don't know a lot about Vietnam. Mm. We don't know what it's like to lose a war. <laughs> We're good at logistics, though, <laughs> which sounds like a joke, but actually is a really huge part of war. Um, Making sure that things get where they're going. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that the... Uh, I can't remember if it was the, I think it was the writer, not the director, that either way, that he meant to uh, tell this story about how authority is often foolish mm -hmm. through this four-year-old, because it was his philosophy that if you got on your soapbox, that you're just a screaming ignoramus, right? <laughs> but if you present it as a narrative through a hapless person, then it's more palatable to make your point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So show an example. See it. Yeah, like this uh, this re completely ridiculous example. It's mm. like, you see how ridiculous it is? But really, how much more ridiculous is it? Right, right. Mm. This also, I think, links your two uh, picks visually. Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of a similar style of being simplistic. Um, you know, it's weird is this is a Deitch film. But it's not as weird as Tom and Jerry's. <laughs> and I think maybe partly it's because it's narrated all the way through, whereas Tom and Jerry's are strangely quiet, which really exacerbates the weird sound effects. Yeah. There is an instance in this cartoon of the impact sound effect, like <laughs> if, if, if Tom fell or got hit. So there's familiar ground. <laughs> um, I don't know if this feels like a best animated short film to me. I like it fine. Well, you know... This era, there were just like random Tom and Jerry cartoons that were right. winning best short, you know, like. And this felt comparatively important, huh? Yeah. I mean, back then there were so many animated shorts. It was just, which one's the funniest? And it's like, oh, this one actually kind of has a bit of a point. It must be the best. Right. Yeah. Well, right. They get paid for novelty a lot, too. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Jerry's dancing with Fred Astaire or that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, As opposed wow. to our picks, which would be like, there's such a funny sight gag in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, man. That magical mm. maestro deserves an Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think speaking of cartoons that <laughs> lack any sense of importance <laughs> to... Uh... Oh, I don't know. There's a good moral here. It's okay. pretty much the same moral as every Popeye cartoon. Um, sure. Yeah, Popeye. Uh, one of the better titles I've heard for a Popeye cartoon. Feels very modern. Yeah, yeah, it does. It really does. But yeah. this is 1937, and it's Protect the Weakerist. It's just like immediately like that's something Popeye would say. Yes. Uh, and I don't know, directed by whatever, probably the usual guys. Oh, Dave, Dave Fleischer. Dave yeah. Fleischer. Always yeah. Dave Fleischer. Always he Dave must Fleischer. Have directed yeah. like a billion cartoons. Yeah. Uh, and we open with olive oil doing the wash. Oh, but it turns out that she's actually watching her dog, Fluffy. I watching this, it struck me. Do do we see this a lot? This same kind of um, drying something by holding a towel at either end and like seesawing it back and forth with the thing inside rolling around. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about the the gag of scrubbing something on a washboard that's not what you expect. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, that too. <laughs> All the classics. My favorite, it's it's my favorite little black sambo. Gag. Oh gosh! Oh yeah, that's so. <laughs> you know terrible. what I'm talking about? Oh, it's so funny oh. though. It shocked the hell out of me. So uh, yeah, this one couldn't shock me as much as that one. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, the little black sambo um, is a. It's a cartoon about a kid who's basically his. Okay, it was the early days of cartoons, all right, and basically his sole trait was that he was black, and like. Yep. It was a thing where his mom was doing the washing and the bubbles were turning black. And it turned yeah, out it was like oily or because yeah. she was bathing the the black little boy. Yeah, it's, it was so funny. It, yeah, but it's also <laughs> it's cool. terrible. It's but... shocking. Like that, I remember yes. watching that cartoon and going, "Oh my!" Like, and not just at that gag, but at most of it. Sure. Ooh. So in this case, it's just a cute dog. Yeah, it's a dog, Fluffy. Um, there's a ringing. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the phone looks like in 1937. Oh, mm -hmm. but it's actually the doorbell. I, <laughs> they didn't have phones or or at least it's not here. It's, you know, doorbell. It's it's a weird old fashioned. It always weirds me out, like especially in British things where the ringing is like a and it's mm -hmm. like that's the doorbell. Um, but yeah, so that's Popeye. Uh, the dog Fluffy follows along with a leash. And yeah, olive oil immediately conscripts. There's that word again. Uh, mm -hmm. Popeye into taking Fluffy for a walk. Be back in an hour. Mm. Now, <laughs> Popeye protests that a he-man like him can't be seen with no little sissy dog. Dorg, I should say. Sissy dorg, yes. Dorg. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. In the, the All the ways that the Internet has of saying the word dog nowadays... Yeah. Dog with a W. Doggo. Doge. Doge. Yeah. Dorg is one that has kind of died out, unfortunately. But I want to bring it back. Hmm. Dorg. Mitch Dorg, my favorite member of Crash Test Dummies. Anyway. Hmm. Um, but of course, you know, Popeye has to do it. Olive says. And so he really sullenly takes this dog for a walk. Um immediately he he doesn't want to be embarrassed by this thing and wimpy comes along good gag of him with a mustard pot under his hat because this guy's life revolves around hamburgers yeah. i 
I was so delighted when I saw him. I think yes. Wimpy might like I love Popeye, but I think Wimpy like I think there's something about him. He's like just he amuses me so much. He might be my favorite character in the Popeye canon. I think the whole universe is pretty good, really. Oh, oh it is. Don't get me wrong. What is the comic that it was before it was Popeye? Oh, gosh. Where it was like the fa- the oil family. Oh, I don't even remember. Oh, man. Um, well, I'll keep talking. Maybe you want to look that up or something. But anyway, um, uh, Popeye hides the dog under his hat, figuring nobody will notice the long ponytail that this bald, toothless sailor suddenly has. (laughs) Thimble Theater, by the way. Ah, yes. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. Um, anyway, he, he gets around Wimpy without much protest, although Wimpy does double take and go, what? (laughs) But... Yeah, he's still Fluffy's trying to make friends with Popeye, trying to walk alongside him all happily. But Popeye just, you know, in this thing that I say old cartoons do where they do a gag like one too many times, repeatedly shoes the dog behind him with a couple of cute little things like, oh, Pekingese makes me weak in the knees. Yes. Um, He gets an elaborate plan to tie Fluffy's leash to a brick and then tie a brick, the brick to a string. So there's like. Two Kevin Bacons of distance between him and this dog, figuring nobody yeah. will know that it's his. All of this, by the way, on one of them classic Fleischer live action backgrounds that they've put the animation mm. cells in front of. Oh, but then Bluto and his one eyed bulldog come down the street. <laughs> yes. So tough with his eye patch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, he he tries hiding Fluffy in his shirt. And there's actually a pretty civil bleed. Uh, Bleeding? Greeting. It was like, yeah. morning, Popeye. Morning, Bluto. Large weather we're having today. You're very large, large. And, um, yeah, and then the bulldog just, like, Fluffy jumps out. The bulldog jumps in. And then we get uh, simultaneous fights. Uh, the bulldog is bullying the little Pekingese, and Bluto's laughing at it. But, of course, you know, Popeye doesn't particularly like this dog, but he also doesn't like to see little guys downtrodden. And so he and Bluto end up fighting. And you know how fights between Popeye and Bluto go in phase one of the boss battle um, hmm. before Mother Brain dies and gives you the hyper beam. Uh, usually, you, usually Popeye has the edge until Bluto cheats, but he just pretty much out. He pretty much loses this one. Yeah, he pummels him. Um, yeah. Fluffy actually kind of outwits the bulldog at first, um, hmm. but then just gets beat up and they both get smashed into an alley into a trash can. And it's time for the hyper beam. I mean, spinach. Mm. Popeye pulls it out, eats it, and goes running after Bluto. And pulls funny, him. Funny running. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. Like, this, this, I, I can't even describe it. It's like he's got his yeah. hands behind him. It's just like, like yeah. it's, oh, it's so weird. Um, Fluffy sees what happened and decides to give it a try, too. And he does the same thing, including the same walk cycle out of the uh, the <laughs> yeah. alley. Uh, there are two simultaneous phase two boss fights uh, mm. <laughs> where the two of them, <laughs> Popeye and Fluffy, like reach out of the fight clouds to shake hands at some point. <laughs> uh, and then they go home in triumph with Popeye singing about uh, I'll, it'll probably be the Celery Stalker slogan, actually. So, oh, OK, I, I think yeah. maybe I don't know. You know, you know, you you miss you didn't say the one really disturbing gag where 
it's more than this cartoon, but it's here where the bulldog gets punched and the impact turns into a bunch of bunch of oh, sausages. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. freaky. It when is. you contextualize it, it's freaky. And I'm trying. I was watching that trying to think of the pun. But like oh. dogs. Oh, maybe hot dogs. Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, OK. I was thinking too much yeah. about sausages and not enough about wieners. Um, <laughs> yes. It's always the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, so Popeye and uh, Fluffy get along. You know, he's happy to let Fluffy ride on his shoulder and lick his face. And Olive Oil, of course, is happy to see him make friends. And it's a happily ever after. Well, happily until the next short uh, yes. for Popeye and Fluffy. And Bluto gets what's coming to him for taking joy in the abuse of a dog. Yeah, like you said, it's weird that they have this relationship that's cordial until it's not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like there's no olive oil. It's like we can we can pretend to be civil. Yeah, I'll tell you where. Uh, plus, they like fighting. I think so. Um, you know what struck me about this one? I don't know if you were looking at a version of this cartoon like this, but what a clean film print! Oh, like were you watching with the one Popeye on, on Daily Motion? Yes. Yeah, because it's actually hard to find on YouTube. There's like. The first yeah. part colorized and the last right. part colorized, but no middle. But there's a really good version of it on Daily Motion. Most of the time when you look at old Popeye cartoons, they're blurry as heck. Mm. And this one was so clean, I wondered if somebody had remade it. Yeah. Like, is it the colorized version that they just made black and white? But <laughs> yeah. no, you're right. It's a really, it's really solid. Uh, mm. Good version of this. You know, Popeye is always just good. Like, it's I don't yeah. know if I have much more to say about Popeye because, like, we've done it a few times now, but it's always so much yeah. fun. Like, I've always liked this one. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and there's so many good little sight gags of like that, that walk cycle. Uh, the dog, sure. the dog is amusingly old fashioned, like his uh, eating the spinach, just the the animation of the face. It's hard to describe what I mean, but it looks it's sure. It's what I want the Cuphead cartoon to look like. Right. Like, this is 1930s animation. Hmm. Uh, it's good yep, stuff. Yep. It's good stuff. Uh, I'm glad I watched this. Um. Yeah, well. All right. I guess there we go. Uh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, you did list, what, do your second one. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Well. It's another great episode. Yep. Lots of fun shorts. Oh, yeah. Um. So the last thing we got to do, as usual, is we got to determine what we're going to watch next week. Hmm. And I picked this German animated feature called Feel-A-Day. Feel-A-Day or Feel-A-Day? Feel-A-Day, probably. Feel-A-Day, Feel-A-Day. You know the word. Like, it means cat. Yeah. So I don't know much about it. Uh, I watched the trailer. As far as I can tell, this is a uh, movie about a cat doing a detective story. Like a regular old domestic cat. So... Hmm. Seems pretty interesting, and I guess we'll find out next week. Yeah, uh, you know more about it than I do. I know that it's German, and it's <laughs> called Philidae. I haven't even seen a thumbnail. All right. Okay, so watch for that next week. Uh, in the meanwhile, please let us know what to watch, what to talk about. More Beavis and Butthead, maybe. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at DrabsWatch. Uh, I am at AC Matsy on Twitter. Tell everybody about this podcast and how much we talk about Beavis and Butthead and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. 
<laughs> Although yeah. we didn't uh, we didn't get to one of those today. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm AC Matsy. And uh, how about that celery stalker slogan? Mm, should I do the Popeye one? Um. Eh, I guess we'll all find out right now. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Now just cause you're taller, don't hit someone smaller, says Popeye the Sailor Man.